0: And if you disagree with anything we talk about, you are a racist and no better than Hitler. What? Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Electile Dysfunction podcast with Ashton Cohen. I'm Ashton Cohen. I am joined today by Heather McDonald. Uh, Heather is one of the smartest political commentators and writers out there. She is an attorney, best-selling author of several books, including The Diversity Delusion and a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. So, uh, Heather, thank you so much for coming on. It's a real pleasure to uh, finally meet you.
1: Pleasure for, on my part as well, Ashton. Thank you. Appreciate
0: it. So well, I wanted to start off here. You've, you've written a good deal about you know, the woke, intersectional, ideological dogmas, which have sort of penetrated so much of our society. This, uh, you know, the diversity, equity, inclusion crowd you know, would say that they're just trying to level the playing field. We're just trying to get more diversity, and we need to do this for an indefinite period of time. Because America is systemically racist, and once we can subjectively conclude that diversity has been achieved, if ever, then we can maybe talk about more race-neutral things. What's, what's the problem with that argument?
1: Well, the problem is, is that it involves massive racial preferences in every institution that is declaring itself uh, fanatically committed to diversity. And the fact is, because of the large academic skills gap, Ashton You can have diversity or you can have meritocracy. You cannot have both. The reason that we don't have proportional racial representation in mainstream institutions is not racism. There is not a single mainstream institution which is not just turning itself into knots, trying to hire and promote as many so-called underrepresented minorities as possible. Uh, underrepresented minorities is the academic term. The acronym is URMs for Blacks and Hispanics. Uh, Asians don't count because they are academically uh, competitive. In fact, right. they're superior. So they, they get written out of being uh, sources of diversity and, and minorities on college campuses. Uh, but it is the academic skills gap that prevents Google from being say 13% black, which is the black proportion of the US population. When you look at grade school, high school math attainment, you have for 12th graders about 54% of black 12th graders don't even possess mastery, basic mastery of 12th grade math skills. They are below basic, meaning they don't even have partial mastery of those skills. Uh, And that skills gap never closes. So you have every year at most in the STEM fields, at most, 1% of all PhDs in various engineering firm fields or physics fields uh, going to Black candidates will leave aside for the moment whether those candidates have been passed along on the basis of preferences. In many STEM fields, there are no Black candidates so for Google to implicitly accuse its own managers of racism because it doesn't have 13% uh, Black engineers or, or computer scientists is completely anti-scientific because they are not in the pipeline. And so there are two problems here, Ashton. In order to engineer diversity, you have to radically lower standards. And we see that in every university that is minimally selective across the country. Blacks and Hispanics are being admitted under a set of of academic expectations that would be automatically, if if they're automatically disqualifying if presented by whites and Asians, Uh, blacks can get in with very low SATs. Again, if a white or Asian would present those, they wouldn't even be looked at. So you are lowering our standards. But the other problem is, and this is really my big gripe with racial preferences, it's less what conservatives usually rail about, which is that, oh, it's unfair or unconstitutional, and we have an equal protection jurisprudence that's been built up to try and get around those questions. I find that jurisprudence impossibly, annoyingly uh, uh, in bad faith and full of all sorts of fictions. The real problem is that these massive racial preferences do not help their alleged beneficiaries. Let's take it out of the the highly charged issue of race and think of it in terms of sex. If MIT, already very left wing, decides it wants to up its female quotient in its uh, freshman class even further than it already has, and it it admits me, and let's say I have an SAT of 650 on my math SATs, it admits me to a class where the average SAT is 800. What's gonna happen? I am going to flounder. I'm gonna struggle in my classes because teaching will be geared towards the norm. The norm being people who aced advanced calculus in high school who are firmly in control And I will fall behind. Uh, That is not doing me any favors. I would have been much better off had I been admitted to a college. Uh, Nobody's saying that I shouldn't go to college with math SATs of 650, but had I gone to Boston College or Boston University where I was matched with my academic peers, I would have a much better chance of graduating with an engineering degree or a physics degree than I would graduating from, from MIT. And we see that with black beneficiaries. They disproportionately drop out of STEM fields because they've been catapulted. The one group, it's a cruel thing to do. It's, it's, it's heartless on the part of these grandstanding university administrations who wanna feel like they're exercising noblesse oblige. They're, they're setting up these black students on average to fail just so they can look upon their domain and feel so proud of themselves for diversity. It's a cruel thing to do. It's also academically counterproductive for these students themselves
0: you bring up a really good point there it's gone even a little bit more pernicious than that because you see this and i actually pulled up the stats with mcat scores and this is where, where you get into like actual situations where you know there's life or death consequences so if you have an mcat score of 24 26 which is below average and a below average gpa and you're black you have a 56 percent chance of getting into medical school If you're white, it's 8%. If you're Asian, it's 6%. Do we want mediocre physicians presiding over life and death scenarios? And on top of that, wouldn't that in itself lead to some sort of stigmatizing of certain groups? Let's say you had a couple not great physicians of a certain race, and that might make people more prejudiced and stereotypical.
1: Well, there is an enormous effort underway to punish anybody who acknowledges these facts or acknowledges the fact that a racial preference regime does impose stigma on its alleged beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to say it. And then so we have students being forced to live a lie. College, uh, rather high school seniors, they all know each other's SAT scores. Uh, They can see what's going on and they see that their Black peers are getting admitted to schools with much lower SATs Mm -hmm. than they are, schools from which they may be Rejected And yet, if any student mentions the existence of these preferences, he's castigated as a racist. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, these universities are completely uh, illogical. They say on the one hand, to the Supreme Court, if you deny us the ability to exercise these vast racial preferences to lower our standards in an extraordinarily uh, consequential way, we will not be able to achieve this alleged end of diversity. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, they'll say, oh, if you suggest that we have lowered standards to get black students in, you're a racist. So they both claim this is essential and and deny that it's going on. Uh, As far as the real life consequences, of course you're right. In normalizing these preferences, the elites in our societies are engaged in a profoundly nihilistic enterprise which is to deny that we can make judgments about different levels of academic skill, competence, and knowledge. And we're pretending that everything is equal and that there are not some people who are better at certain things than other people are. And and so, you have this movement now to ban the submission of SATs as undergraduates. More and more medical schools are uh, saying we don't want MCATs for Black students. Graduate schools in STEM are, are saying GREs are no longer required. We don't really want to see them. And I posit that the reason for that movement, it is an illogical movement, because the reality today is that schools do, in fact, pay enormous attention to these objective, colorblind, valid, standardized tests of academic competence. They simply race norm them. So they have one scale for admitting whites and Asians, Mm -hmm. and they they calculate the ranks of their applicants out to the, like, .0000. 1% of of precision. And then they have a completely different scale that's race norm that's lower uh, for blacks and Hispanics. And they rank people within that. Mm -hmm. So they could continue accepting these scores and continue doing their race norming. The reason that they are saying they want to ban the submission of scores entirely so that nobody will be taking the MCATs, nobody will be taking the GMATs, nobody will be taking the GREs or the SATs, is to put the college board and the medical board that administers the MCATs out of existence entirely. Because right now, those objective tests Mm -hmm. provide us with the last remaining evidence of how vast the skills gap Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And we need that knowledge, we need those facts, to fight back against the phony narrative that is the narrative that dominates mainstream institutions today, which is that the only reason why Blacks and Hispanics are not proportionally represented in mainstream and elite institutions is racism. We need those data points to fight back and say, no, here's the reason it's the academic skills gap.
0: It bothers me the most, not to harp on this, but it really is the most important bit because with medical schools are actually capped. Like the number of seats are capped in all the medical schools in this country. And so if you're denying the people who are qualified because of their race, such as the Asians and you're putting in their place somebody who who has much lower scores, it's almost like a double assault on on the practice, because you're going to be pushing up people who are not qualified, and you're going to be prohibiting people who are qualified from entering the field.
1: Ashton, I mean, that's absolutely right. And the only response that the proponents of racial preferences can have, and these proponents are everywhere, they are everywhere in the corporate world, in the law world, Mm -hmm. banking world, academic world, the only response they can have is that those tests don't matter.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Which, which, as I say, is a nihilist position. They obviously do matter. Right. And it's not just medical school where it's zero sum. It's zero sum everywhere. And this is where I find the the whole jurisprudence of equal protection, which is how we currently evaluate racial preferences and admissions, so grotesquely in bad faith. Because the the judges will say, oh, this isn't a zero sum proposition. It's mm-hmm. always zero sum. Mm-hmm. All, all seats at schools are limited. You admit one person and you don't admit somebody else in medical schools. As you say, uh, this can be a life or death matter. We are for sure going to be slowing down scientific progress because I cannot tell you it's not just an MCAT admissions issue. The entire medical profession mm-hmm. Whether it's the federal funding agencies, uh, the licensing boards, the American Association of Medical Colleges, the AMA, have all turned themselves into slavish imitations of Ibram Kendi and Robin Mm -hmm. DiAngelo in their daily railing against science as a racist enterprise, uh, medicine as a racist Mm -hmm. enterprise, Lancet, JAMA, All of the what used to be the groundbreaking essential magazines of scientific medical research have all declared that science is racist, that medicine is racist, and and what's happened, you know, the one of the another fictions that one comes across in the justification for racial preferences is okay, it's merely a thumb on the scale. No, Mm. the the. Preferences are massive, as you say, uh, to go back to those MCAT data that you, that you earlier referenced. It means that a, a black student with mediocre MCATs and GPAs has a nine times higher chance of admission than an Asian mm-hmm. and a seven times higher chance of admission than a white with similar grades. What happens is if it was a thumb on the scale, maybe the students would keep up. They don't. They fall right. massively behind. And so what we've had in the last year, uh, one of the threshold tests in the course of a medical student's education is something called the step one exam for the medical licensing exam. This is a test that's taken after the second year of medical school to test a student's clinical knowledge of, of various scientific concepts. And because it persisted in showing large racial disparities in who was doing well on the step one licensing exam, uh, the, the board that issues it decides, okay, we're going to get rid of grades and we're just going to offer it pass-fail so that residencies can no longer rank uh, the students in medical schools to decide who to admit. Mm-hmm. So we are involved in one cover-up of the academic skills gap after another. And I can assure you that it is gonna continue throughout a medical career. Mm -hmm. There's pressure to get rid of grades. Uh, There's pressure to pass less qualified graduates into residencies onto college faculties. The preferences never end.
0: I remember when we were pretty much assured that this stuff wouldn't come for the hard sciences. And now it's here, and and you see it in in public policy as well. I'm even surprised at how rapidly it shifted into actually becoming policy. So with New York, you had racial preferences for priority in terms of getting the monoclonal antibodies during COVID, which very well may have resulted in some people dying because they were pushed to the back of the line. Also, when you see a lot of this woke politicization of these previously neutral institutions like i i never had any reason to doubt the cdc or science or to think that you know they had any agenda other than pursuing the truth like this is something that many of us have only changed our minds about because things have changed in the last few years and so one of the biggest ones as well was you had these doctors who were siding with with government authorities that lockdowns were absolutely necessary and then your children should be vaccinated with no scientific backing whatsoever. And then when the uh, George Floyd protests go off, then they turn around, they say, oh, no, actually racism is a more deadly virus than the pandemic itself. And it's like, what the hell has happened? You guys are supposed to be neutral. I didn't even know that you guys had not only political biases, but extreme fringe political ideology infecting our medical institutions that would have been inconceivable like 10 years ago. And so it just basically makes people distrustful of the few institutions that we had remaining, which were universally trusted, like our like our science community. And I'll just give you one more anecdote. My girlfriend's a neuroscientist and she works a uh, at a prestigious university. And on the grant applications for research, you have to explain if given the grants, how you would be promoting diversity, Equity and inclusion. So the science comes secondarily to that. If you have a great mm-hmm. die statement, then then you're going to be the one who gets passed through. But if you don't, then tough luck. What is the answer? Do we just try to create new institutions and then hope that mm-hmm. it then forces kind of like what Elon Musk did with Twitter and then hoping that uh, the competition is going to have to be a little bit more honest at this point? Because uh, this this it seems like such institutional rot that's very hard to change.
1: Absolutely, I I. Just despair on a daily basis. It is impossible to convey how widespread this is. Uh, just to recap what you've said before, I get to the the difficult, mm-hmm. most difficult question, which is what is to be done. Uh, you know what what we've got is white culling. Uh, there is a concerted effort to destroy our well. I, that was it's not that they're trying to destroy our science, but they are they are engaged in mm-hmm. completely trivial uh, reckless policies where American science is deliberately sabotaging itself. Yeah. You have many faculties now and that will not even consider somebody's scientific qualifications if their diversity statement is inadequate. Yeah. They'll toss the applicant. this could be. I've raised the question, would Albert Einstein get hired today? I don't Mm -hmm. think he would because he would not be able to show how his work on physics advanced diversity. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to be a pure scientist anymore. And this is coming out of the National Institutes of Health. They have program after program whose main goal is to make sure that there is a proportional representation of minorities in neurology labs, in Alzheimer's labs, in drug testing mm-hmm. uh, you know, populations, in cancer labs. And I've had scientist after scientist say, I am spending much more time worrying about how to present the issue of my research on, on signaling in, in nematodes as a diversity issue of how it helps the black community in, mm-hmm. in South Philadelphia than I am actually doing the research. So we are sabotaging our scientific capacity. Meanwhile, here's what China is doing. Now, China obviously has its extreme pathologies as well, Mm -hmm. as we saw with its zero COVID insanity. But when it comes to STEM and science, it is about one thing and one thing only, cultivating its top talent. It is not destroying Mm -hmm. gifted and talented programs as we are doing across the country. Why? For the usual disparate impact reason. The reason we're tearing down disparate, gifted and talented is because if you use an objective, colorblind, valid measure of admission, you're not gonna have proportional representation. Those tests have a disparate impact on blacks. China is instead finding its top math talent and throwing everything it's got at them to make sure that they live up to their highest potential. We're destroying our scientific potential. We are saying if you're white or Asian, we don't want you. We're sending a message. Mm to white and asian students very early on especially males that you're an afterthought and and this is not a way to make sure that we stay scientifically competitive as far as what we do creating new institutions it's such a hard hard task cuz these legacy institutions have enormous prestige mm-hmm. they Stupid alumni keep funneling their kids into them. They keep funneling billions of dollars into these colleges that have by now long since betrayed their fundamental mission of passing on knowledge because the parents are so hungry to get their kids credentialed with this this prestigious uh, Mm -hmm. degree. If we could find billionaires that were willing to do real risk capital and say, okay, I'm going to try and create an alternative institution. I'm going to try and make it as, Meritocratic as possible. I'm going to sell it on those grounds that, okay, it's not a Harvard degree, but this is so difficult to get into that you can brag about your child at your cocktail parties that you know this degree will be just as prestigious on IQ grounds as 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 going to Cornell or 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 Williams. Uh, But but at the very least, what we have to do is tell the truth and not be cowed, and we have to keep on saying the alternative explanation. The reason we don't have racial proportionality is not racism, it's the skills gap. As long as the only allowable explanation is racism, which is the status quo today, the left wins. Mm -hmm. Every institution is coming down
0: yeah I mean and it's quite the indictment uh, to say that even the communists aren't doing this, right? I mean, and, I, and I've joked about this before it's it's even the Crt style intersectional stuff which some people refer to as cultural Marxism. It is even more sick in a lot of ways than than communism, which is pretty insane because communism it's like the worst thing ever. And even if you go back to like the Soviet Union, as long as you played the party line, you know, you may have been able to get by as a scientist just focusing on science, as long as you didn't, you know, uh, piss off one of your authoritarians. And again, communism, no one's a, a bigger hater of it than me, but like this is a even more divisive, even more tribalistic ideology than that. And also interesting that like the term diversity itself is so subjectively applied, right? So I remember when I was in university, I was, I was probably the only non leftist on my student body council. Right. And, you know, I, I could be just derided as, as just like a white guy or something. I'm somebody who's, you know, I'm half Eastern. My, I speak Farsi. My mother's a refugee from Iran. My grandfather's from India. My great grandfather is from Iraq. Right. But uh, so I'm not, I'm not diverse. You know, Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. But then you could have a you could have a panel of eight people, all of them being black and female, with the same exact or similar viewpoints, and that's somehow diverse. Of course, uh, Jews aren't diverse anymore; they're not, uh, you know, counted for any of the mi- minority points. As are as are Asians, who have even worse. Let's talk a little bit about your column about white being a epithet. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, all that the New York Times or the Washington Post needs to do to discredit an institution or an individual is to append uh, the adjective white before mentioning that institution or individual. And uh, the press or politicians have uh, immediately then have said that this is somebody who is the beneficiary of unjustified privilege, uh, who's participating in a system of ongoing racism. Uh, And the consequences are, with that attitude, we are tearing down uh, every institution all you need to do all these these college harpies these just de- depressingly uh, ignorant students that know nothing about contemporary affairs in the world mm-hmm. today about the genocide the homophobia the 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 the, the misogyny the the oppression of females, of the other, of 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 uh, disfavored tribes, the killings that are going on, that focus exclusively on phantom oppression in the mm-hmm. West. They all they need to do is say to some a teacher is white, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore oppressive, or classical music, which is a tradition that came out of Europe, which is Europe was a, a demographically the reality was it was caucasian right there's nothing shameful about that china was monolithically chinese africa was monolithically uh black african these are real distinctions only the west destroys itself mm-hmm. because of its demographic past and to a certain extent it's present and the people that should be passing on these institutions of extraordinary beauty and sublimity, accomplishment, greatness, wit, irony, have instead decided that their authority and power resides in virtue signaling and declaring that, well, this art museum, art art museums are inherently racist because they're Western, Mm -hmm. yet classical music is inherently racist because it's Western uh, dance, you name it. And certainly science, certainly uh, the tradition of, of Anglo-American jurisprudence is suspect. I predict that at some point we're going to have to rename the White House because that's going to be seen as a microaggression, if not a macroaggression, uh, against, against people of color. I use that term mm-hmm. in scare quotes in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this crusade is being carried on with extraordinary ignorance i am absolutely willing to say that the 1619 project is more right than wrong when it comes to the history of white supremacy in this country i think the conservative narrative about race is to a certain extent a whitewash i think it 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 leapfrogs too quickly to the civil war and notices that we lost 500,000 Americans to to end slavery, then it leapfrogs to civil rights era, and it it passes over too quickly the appalling nastiness, gratuitous callousness, meanness, mean spiritedness on the part of the vast majority of white Americans towards blacks until very recently. I'm going to grant the 1619 Project that. I'm not going to grant them their actual history about the founding of the United States, but. But I think that there is something to be said about noticing the fact that Americans were cruel to Blacks for a very long time. That having been said, it is not the case today. It simply is not. We have reversed things. Now the reality is Black privilege, not white privilege. And we are going around pretending that we remain that ugly, ugly country of the past, when in fact mm-hmm. we have done a remarkable volt fast, a, a 180 degree change, uh, and we're not willing to recognize that. And in so doing, we are tearing down the ideals, the principles that the left is fighting about. Every Every concept the left uses to bash the West is a Western concept, mm-hmm. equality, tolerance, due process, equal rights, these are uniquely Western concepts. We have nothing to apologize for when it comes to the great scope of what Western civilization has contributed because slavery, oppression is going on right now. I will be willing to pay reparations or to start issuing apologies when I hear from Nigeria an apology for its the eager... Greedy participation in the transatlantic slave trade Mm -hmm. on the part of of Nigerian tribes in Dahomey and elsewhere. Uh, When I hear current apologies for mass genocide, they're not coming out. And so therefore, I refuse to apologize.
0: Right. Or the uh, the Arab Barbary slave trade, which lasted much longer. Yeah. And, you know, it's also worth mentioning, I read. From Credit Suisse, there's a, over a million Black American millionaires with a million dollars worth of assets. So this is not the same country anymore. And by the way, their children would benefit from affirmative action as well, right? So it's Hi. over over some like poor Filipino kid who like has to work two jobs and live in a one bedroom apartment with like three of his siblings. That's kind of another thing that's just ridiculous about it. That would have more sympathy if it was just based on you know income level and actual hardships. Something that worries me a lot is when you constantly and it's all over the place the the incessant epithets the incessant insults you know whiteness is a disease whiteness is killing us whiteness is genocide what's going to happen when enough people who are white or white christian basically say you know what yeah we're going to pursue white politics you know we're going to have white interest groups we're going to have, you know, a, a national association for white people. And it won't be some sort of fringe group, but it be millions of people, will join. and as somebody as Jewish, that's not something I want. I like, I do not want that at all. There's a lot of overlap between hating Jews and and those sorts of politics, but I almost feel like they want that to happen so that they have as Hillary Clinton would say, deplorable irredeemable enemy that they can juxtapose themselves next to. Like you're going to join us, you can join, you know, these neo-Nazis over here, right? And that's one thing I wish that you know, sensible people on the left would at least be a lot more sympathetic to is like, why wouldn't it happen when you keep cascading not only white adults, but white children and telling them they're oppressors at like five years old? Do you think that's something they don't understand? Or do you think that's something that maybe, maybe they want to happen?
1: Interesting. I've certainly, I uh, have written, I, I think it's inevitable. Well, it's, it, I take that back. I don't know if it's inevitable because at least among sort of anybody who is vaguely in the elite. It will not happen. Right. The self-loathing at this point is too mm-hmm. great. So whether it happens on the among the, the less elite people, um, I don't know. But but every effort is going to be made to, I think, contrary what I've thought in the past is that it's not going to be encouraged by the left. But what I would say, it's completely logical and understandable. Uh, There is nothing logically that would prevent whites wanting to complete the circle. If everybody else gets identity politics, why shouldn't we? And it's a question of how much the less elites are aware of the hatred being directed against them. You know, they're not reading The New York Times or listening to Mm -hmm. CNN so it may be that this is something that isn't quite on their radar screen at this point, although certainly Tucker Carlson, you know, one of his themes is they hate you. And occasionally he gives it a slight racial inflection. Uh, and when he does, other, other conservative uh, pundits get very upset. You know, people like, well, people at, the, at Commentary or National mm-hmm. Review or Ben Shapiro will say, no, no, we don't want to go there. I have to say, a part of me says, bring it on, uh, because it's it's a question of just fighting back at this point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, it, it would be completely justified in my view. How much longer mm-hmm. can whites be blamed for problems which at this point are not of their own making? Again, I acknowledge the, the uh, history in this country, but that is not the history mm-hmm. today. The, pro- the reason we don't have Proportional representation is that inner city culture for decades now has been oppositional. It's been pathological. Uh, Here's a thought experiment. I would be willing to reach for the systemic racism explanation to explain ongoing racial disparities in representation under these conditions. If Blacks acted like Asians for, say, 10, 20, 30 years in all things related to life and academic success. If they studied, if they took their textbooks home, if there was a culture of academic achievement, if parents monitored their kids' homework, made sure they showed up on test days, were not truant, uh, didn't get involved in drugs and gangs, as opposed to what you see now in the inner city, and, you know, if you can get an inner city teacher to talk honestly to you about what those classrooms are like, they're hell holes. Mm-hmm. They're chaotic. Right. The kids don't take their textbooks home. Yeah. The truancy rates in, in California are four times higher. Yeah. And the left-wing teacher unions
0: want to do nothing just to basically improve academic performance either. They're against all old, old solutions to improve it.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, at this point, I also feel like that's a conservative safe harbor. The, the change, the real change has to come from within that community. Anyway, if Blacks acted like Asians in all things related to academic success, and, they, and we still saw those racial disparities,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they, they weren't getting involved in crime, they weren't, you know, getting felony convictions because they're committing drive-by shootings, then I would say, yeah, there's something wrong here, but right now, the behavioral gaps are so huge, and so patently the explanation for these ongoing skills gaps that it's just yeah. way premature mm-hmm. to say, we're gonna invoke this phlogiston of systemic racism.
0: I will, and maybe the splitting here is here, but the the one thing I'd slightly disagree with is the biggest privilege you can have is having great parents. That's, that trumps everything else. People who are gonna right. be- That's right. Looking over your shoulder the whole time, making sure you're out of trouble, making sure you're doing what you need to do, make sure you work hard, make sure you have the right values to succeed. If you okay. don't have that, it's going to be it's going to be really tough no matter what your race. However, for some people, if they have strong role models somewhere else, and this is where I'm getting at with a couple of these institutions, you know, they made a movie about, you know, waiting for Superman with, uh, what's his name, Mr. Canada, Jeffrey Canada, where you have these sort of like, you know, disciplinarian teachers, well-run institutions, they can sort of make up for I, some of that. May, and, and for some individuals, they can make up for yeah. all of it, right, by taking them under their wing and having really strict standards. Still, ideally you want great parents. And here's a list of, uh, ethnic groups that do better than, than white American families. It's Indian Americans, Filipino Americans, Taiwanese Americans, Iranian Americans, Israeli Americans, Lebanese Americans, Chinese Americans, Pakistani Americans, Japanese Americans, Nigerian Americans have almost the same wealth as your average, same income levels as your average white family. And so there's obviously, you know, (laughs) you know, I mean, like, so. You're some sort of middle income or less than middle income white family is struggling to get by. You see these stats of of other immigrant groups doing really well. and then you're still being blamed for all the problems. you know, and that's that's a right. recipe for, that's a recipe for for real resentment and and it's it's not something that we want to see happen. What are you most worried about going forward? Is it continuation of some of these trends and other stuff? And what is something that you're most hopeful about?
1: Well, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, what's the audience, that we don't know about how large is the audience for some of these uh, young male conservative commentators, you know, the Ben Shapiro's or Jordan Peterson, he's not so young, uh, Matt Walsh. Is there a group there that can be organized uh, to say we're not taking this group calumny any longer? Mm -hmm. Uh, And are those uh, thought leaders willing to organize? But, you know, if you read if you read comments on newspaper websites in the Los Angeles Times or the New York Times, you do hear some people pushing back. Now, the many of the comments can be just even worse than the reporting itself, mm-hmm. so self righteous. But but you do realize there are people, as you say, that are noticing what's going on. So if we could figure out a way to uh, marshal those people, and the question is can it be done by continuing to take the high road which is what conservatives have done by and large they are refusing to use the w word Mm -hmm. uh you know there's very few people that are willing to say wait a minute white people don't deserve uh this group guilt uh that they're not the problem today there's the problems lie elsewhere and let me just add I totally agree with you about the so-called no excuses charter schools. What needs to happen is these kids growing up in these completely dysfunctional communities Mm -hmm. where there is no social capital being transferred from one generation to the next. Yes, you should be able to surround them with rules in order to to create the ability to defer gratification, to exercise self-control. Depressingly, though, as you probably know, one of the progenitors of these total bourgeois value in wrapping uh, institutions, the, the acronym kip I don't remember how it spells out it's knowledge and power something. They've reversed, <laughs> they, they've completely thrown in the towel. They used to have a, a motto that was all about, uh, you know self-control, personal achievement, trying hard, be nice. And now they've said that's white supremacy. Wow. So they no longer even are willing to embrace those bourgeois values. But uh, so so that would help, but but whether we can fight back without using racial terms, I don't really know. What worries me, I'm perhaps less worried that there's going to be some pogrom on the part of whites. I don't think so. I think Republican, you know, the, the average Trump voter may be deluded about many things with regards to the election. But my sense is, is that Americans are so yearning to be post-racial. They yep. really don't give a damn about skin color. Yep. What they care about do your values match mine. White Republicans have had one love affair after another with black politicians yep. whether and, and, and leading figures, whether it's Colin Powell or Condoleezza Rice or Alan Keyes, Alan West, Ben Carson, Herschel Walker to a certain extent, mm-hmm. uh, you name it. Uh, the the woman down in the lieutenant governor in in Virginia, what they care about is do you share the same values of hard work, patriotism, you know, uh, belief in, in personal responsibility that I do. So I don't fear the pogrom. What I fear is that if we continue down this path, we are dismantling our scientific competitiveness and we are dismantling the things of such extraordinary beauty that Western civilization has created, classical music, art, art museums, mm-hmm. uh, and we are stripping children of any ability to experience beauty and sublimity. I think that part of the self-destruction that we see on the part above all of girls, uh, but but the the suicide rates, the mm-hmm. drug use, is partly because children have been given no reason to be proud of themselves. Yep. They are battered all the time with this guilt trip. So they've been given nothing beautiful. They've been told, you know, all the, the sexual stuff, they're prematurely exposed to knowledge of sexuality, destroying their innocence. I think we are destroying generations as well.
0: Yeah, and I will, you know, we like to leave it on the hopeful message here. I will say, with regard to the point about some of these conservative influencers, I, growing up, I never met a single person who was more conservative than their parents. I do see that from time to time now. I do see like, you know, oh yeah, my parents are so liberal. They you know uh, they just read the New York Times. They won't listen to this shit. So that's very interesting. Or and I saw even Joe Rogan mention it before that he has like liberal friends who are incensed that their children are listening to Ben Shapiro. You never really saw that the other way around. You never saw people more conservative than their parents. So that that might be you know the. Uh, the, the hopeful bit after all, and uh, things come in waves, and maybe maybe the, the uh, woke hour will come to an end one day as well.
1: It's a, it's a fight to the finish. It really is. I mean, yeah. to the extent that there ha- there is organizing, they will fight back so hard to discredit this. They'll throw everything they've got. Racism, white, white, white. What we have to do is tell the truth. And as far as I'm concerned, it starts with the academic skills gap. Because as I say, Ashton, this is the weapon they've got lack of racial proportionality, that is driving everything else. And as long as the only allowable explanation is racism, I repeat myself, I know the left wins and it's all coming down.
0: Heather McDonald, thank you so much for for being on. It was a real pleasure, I really enjoyed the conversation. Where can uh, people find more about you, more about your work, keep up?
1: Well, I have a Twitter feed that is run sort of for me to just put out everything I write or uh, um, any media appearances. I don't even know what the Twitter handle is. (laughs) Um, But if you, if you Google me, Heather MacDonald, M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D, Twitter, it'll get you there. There's also the Manhattan Institute and City Journal, I think, has a semi-comprehensive list of my articles. But I appreciate you giving me that opportunity for publicity. Of course, there's there's my books, and I've got one coming out on, on disparate impact uh, next year. So we'll see how that goes. Okay, great. And we'll, we'll
0: put those uh, in the links as well. Thank you so much for being on again. really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Ashton. I have yeah. a pleasure being with you. If
0: you enjoyed our show, please click subscribe to stay up to date with our YouTube channel and podcast, and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can keep delivering guys some great content. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next week.